Welcome to the Playing the Game podcast with your hosts, Brock White and Cody Ransom. This podcast is the place for all things baseball, hunting, and entrepreneurship. These two guys have put in the work and have the stories and advice to back it up. Brock is a longtime business owner, and Cody played pro ball for over 18 years. Driven deep to left field. There it goes. See ya. A long home run for Cody Ransom. The one thing that brings these two guys together is hunting. Babe Ruth said it best. Never allow the fear of striking out to keep you from playing the game. This is the Playing the Game podcast, presented by Rolly White RV. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to Playing the Game podcast. I'm Brock White with uh, your boy Cody over here, Cody Ransom. What's going on? We're back at it. Back at it. You know, I'm excited because... We actually have a game plan going forward <laughs> to bring shows more frequently to our dedicated audience <laughs> of of whatever that number is. Hopefully, it's like ten thousand by now, something like that. You know, just <clears throat> just increasing all the time. So, Cody had some changes in his life. I come, did, yeah. Come up. We uh, yeah, I um, I I resigned from the uh, professional baseball gig, uh, the coaching thing. So it was um, I think it was a it was a good situation, uh, a good time for me to kind of step away, and um, you know things are going well with the other stuff, other businesses here, and um, my daughter being a senior was a big deal. I was yeah. gonna they wanted me to go out of town to an affiliate for uh from now until September. That'd be rough. Uh-huh. And so I would have missed, you know, her senior year and and my son headed into high school uh you know in the fall. And those are two things I didn't want to miss and um you know, I the the downtime during COVID that we were still working but there was a lot of breaks. Mm-hmm. Um kind of let us get out and do some stuff during the summer. Um, you know, went to the TAC events a couple of years in a row. And yeah. and those are things that, um, you know, I enjoyed and my wife enjoyed going with me. And, you know, we have a trip set up for the summer and uh, the kids stuff. And, you know, I was able to – so on Friday is when I – when we, you know, I finally told them I was going to step away. And um, this was like a three- or four-week kind of – build up yeah just a conversation you know I, I wanted them to really know where I was at and um you know I appreciated everything that that they had done for me for the almost four years I was coaching there and then three years there as a player so um so right after you're a player you took what did you start coaching for them immediately no I took uh, a couple years um yeah. just to kind of be home and yeah. then uh I don't sit well as far as not doing something, like I've got to have something on my plate. So um, we started the youth program, and it wasn't like I wasn't trying to build an actual program. I was just coaching a couple teams. Yeah. And um, we had the nonprofit in place back, you know, I guess back to 2011, I think, um, is when that the nonprofit started. So we had that, 
And we had LLC going back even further than that as far as the business side went. But, um, you know, we weren't really pushing to grow that. And then um, that kind of took off. Yeah. And so it kind of, um, uh, like, I actually had to to reel it back in and cut teams down and, and like, set it up the right way and um, put people in charge of, <laughs> of actual stuff. And, yeah. Uh, like my wife is a CFO and runs all the admin side of everything, and uh, she's what make it makes it run, you know, here in Texas and kind of all over. So it's, um, you know, that part of it's it kind of took off. Um, so we had to we had to get that all set up right. I ended up coaching. I think it was what 2019 was my first year back there, kind of full time, and uh, you know, then we ran into to COVID and um, everything kind of got shut down for a minute, but we, I was still going in pretty much every day. Um, I was one of like three coaches that was going in every day during that time. Yeah. Uh, we took a pretty big pay cut. Uh, everybody in the organization did. Um, took a pretty big, big pay cut that year, but, you know, um, kept doing my job and, and uh, hoped I would get, Rewarded on the rewarded on the back end. Yeah, you know like, what I mean. And um, yeah, it, it got a little raised, but nothing that I kind of expected. Um, so just just based on where I'm at and my family's at in our lives, and um, I guess based on what what I think I'm worth, and, and this isn't a knock on them at all. It's just I, I value myself a little more than that. Um, I can literally make probably in an hour what I did in a day coaching in the minor league. So, um, you know, it, it gives me a lot more free time with the, with the family and the kids and, and my wife and, and able to kind of go do stuff if we want yeah. on the weekend and um, run up to the cabin or, uh, you know, go on those tack things like a plan on going to maybe two this year I yeah. hope yeah. um and then you know August and September hunts that I haven't been able to do we'll, we'll be able to do those again and so I'm, I'm excited about that part of it and um I can kind of focus my attention on the on the program and let that you know kind of hopefully flourish and, and really put some attention into it um you know the, I feel like the parents and, and kids make a commitment to us as a program and we owe that same dedication back to them and I don't know well I know personally for me they weren't all getting it mm-hmm. like a couple of the teams were but um that's all that I had time for so um I was I was leaning heavily on other coaches to give them that you know, that attention and that that focus and it, it really wasn't fair to those other coaches either um cuz they have lives outside of just this right so yeah um, you know, I think all in all, it's good. Um, you know, I left on, on really good terms. Um, you know, just, they understood where I was at, uh, in terms of my family and, um, you know, they can appreciate me, uh, caring to be a husband and a father first. And so it, it really, you know, it left the door open for me to hopefully, uh, get back into it in a few years if I want, or next year if, you know, whatever, but, um, for right now, this is the right move for me. Like it's, it's, uh, 
I didn't wake up with one bit of regret the next day. Yeah. You know, I was able to drive to California, watch my daughter play volleyball for a couple of days, uh, literally the day that I told them I was quitting. Um, took off, went and watched her play. You know, awesome weekend getting to see her that many games. And, uh, you know, I've missed that. So um, it was great. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> I think it's important to know what you're worth, right? Like, for you to say, hey, I got some other stuff going on. I know I can make that money back if if I put more energy into this. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it is, like, a great title to say, yeah, I coach for a major league baseball team, right? Yeah. But at the end of the day, you value your family more. Without a doubt. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's, I mean, I've given baseball, what, 20, 22 years, I think, 23 years uh, yeah. professionally. So my family's been there for all of that. So, you know what I mean? For them, it's, it's not fair for them to continue that. Um, you know, me chasing another dream of mine versus letting them chase theirs. You for know what sure, I mean? yeah. Um, there, there are opportunities for me to get back into it. Uh, you know, I had a couple interviews last year, and we've already talked this year with some people, but um, there's no rush. You know what I mean? Like, I really kind of, yeah. like, I like where we're at, and family's in a good place, and we, uh, like, I'm looking forward to getting to spend more time with my wife this summer doing the things that we haven't been able to do, um, whether it's vacation or, you know, hike or camp or whatever it may be but um like I, i'm you know i'm looking forward to this year like it, it's i'm kind of excited about it and i i uh i really felt feel like there's a a big load of stress taken off like yeah you know uh it was like okay how am i going to get this done and make it here by this time and then get these done and then make it to practices and make it to my daughter's game and my son's practice and my son's you know it was like Nonstop, and it was, um, which is fine. Like, I'm okay with that. But also, if I can kind of be in the same situation in my life and get rid of one of those things that took 10 to 12 hours a day, every day for seven months out, like, how much more time do I have? Um, And that's just something we can't get back, and I think everybody knows that. But... Um, as we get older and our kids get older, I think we re- we hopefully realize it a little bit. But um, the earlier we can realize that, the better. Um, you know, she's her senior year; she's about to leave. So yeah, and then um, you, then uh, you'd never get that back. Yeah, and so yeah, I can I can go back to baseball, and baseball is going to go on without me. If I if I never go back, or if I get an opportunity to go back, it's still going to be there, right? Yeah. And I have an opportunity to influence a few lives, but I feel on the youth side, I have an opportunity to influence far more. Um, like, I've got four camps set up throughout the year already. You know, there's probably 500 kids, right, that we get to influence that are, I don't get to influence daily, that I get to kind of have a little, uh, hopefully, contact with and allow them to kind of fall in love with the game. So... Uh, as far as baseball goes, I, I give them back on that side. But aside from baseball, there's a lot of other interests that we have. Yeah. Um, and I don't want baseball to define who I am. 
Like yeah. there's there's a lot of other stuff that we like to do. Yeah, there's uh this year you'll be able to go on some archery hunts, right? Excited about that. Yeah, I mean I've I got to watch Cody this last year just work his brains out for an organization and he missed I know you missed this uh January and December being out able to go out and hunt mm-hmm. where the year before I saw you get that time to go chase some deer. Mm-hmm. And not a lot, but a little. Yeah, you got a yeah. little bit of time, but mm-hmm. you were still able to get out. Right. And <clears throat> to see how excited you were when you came back, the stories you told mm-hmm. and the encounters you had, like getting close to, yeah, a cu- close couple times. Yeah. And some wind swirls got us. It's amazing, like just getting out. Well, just out mm-hmm. and outdoors and playing that chess match with yeah, deer, awesome. elk, yeah. how that makes life a little bit better. Yeah, there's some excitement, man, and there's some, uh, there's some, uh, like, not everybody gets to do that. You know what I mean? And it kind of it, it separates us a little bit from from the people that don't. It also puts us in touch with kind of like our ancestors from way back, right? That yeah. that's how they lived, and uh, being able to to do that and feed myself and my family if that's what they want to eat. I know yeah. I do, but they don't always love it. But um, there's something cool to that, you know. It's like it's pretty awesome to to do and to be a part of. But the feeling you get is just incredible. Yeah. Even if you don't kill anything, going out and being able to, you know, stalk a a deer, an elk that's, you know, they can smell you from <laughs> however far away. And it's it's pretty crazy. Yeah, wind swirls one time and you're done and they take off and you can't catch them. Yeah. And it's like, uh, but the, I, it was a blast, you know. I mean, like three, four hour stalks on stuff and yeah. one wind swirl and, you know, it's in your face and all of a sudden it's in your back and go yeah. up through the draw and they're out. It's crazy how... Like, I know you got really close to that white tail buck and, like, how you could see the doe. Mm-hmm. And just seems like that buck just always has luck on his side. More times than not, you know? Until he doesn't. Until he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You know, and just more times you put yourself in that position. And it's crazy, like, how many times you get put in that position you learn something new. Right. Like, oh, I did this and that made the deer do this right. and I won't, you know. I won't do that next time or I'll try not to do that next time. Yep. Mhm. You try to learn every time from each stock. Yeah. And um you get closer every time. <clears throat> you hope. I yeah. was plenty close. Yeah, you, you just, just didn't have a shot. Yeah, they just needed to feed out. Yeah, just if you would have stood up. If you stood up instead of running from yeah. Being down, you know. Um, those suckers are just so smart. Yeah. Like, yeah. he knew, hey, I can't just get up and walk away. I have to get up and run away. Yeah, he, the doe trotted up the hill. and He sat there and waited until she got to the top. And then just, boom. Yeah, and he might Turned not, and ran up to her. He might not even know you were there. He never once looked at me. He just probably, whoa, she's freaked out. Mm-hmm. So, like, I've been in a position where... The buck didn't even know I was there, but there were some other deer 
that ran by him. And he's like, well, if they're running, I better get run. I'm going to go. Yeah, like something's going on. Yeah. So, you know, but that it not always happens that way. Sometimes they, it's it's just unpredictable because sometimes I've been in a position where I've seen multiple things run by a deer and they're just like, we'll wait this out. I mean, it, it depends if they feel really hidden. Mm-hmm. Right. right. They feel really hidden. They might not move. A lot of times they feel hidden right in the middle of a road when a car's coming at them. Yeah. It's like <laughs> in the middle of the night. Middle of the night, middle of the road, but it's dark, so nobody can see them. No one can Except see that me. headlight that. What's it? They, they feel like a walk to the light. That's, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. So. But, yeah, so that's where kind of I'm at um, as far as that goes. You yeah. know. And the importance of. Leaving the door open instead of burning the bridge. I think you explained it pretty well. Like, if you ever wanted to go back, the option's still on the table. Yeah, as far I mean, when we left, that's what was said. And um, I, I even left the door open to this year. Like, if anything pops up that is a, a part-time, you know, kind of thing that gives me the freedom to still do what I need to do or want to do, um, then let me know. Um, yeah. You know, I, I appreciate the people there. I really do. They gave me an opportunity to get back in the game, uh, like I said, and they also gave me three years as a player there. So um, there's some really good people there. Um, some of the coaches and players, like, they message me every day and, you know, I've uh, made some good friends there, Yeah. Um, some relationships that will last, you know, for for whatever. And if any they know, those guys know if they need anything, I'm a, I'm a text or phone call away. Um, yeah. I've got – there's what five guys that are there that coach for our youth program in the off season, um, so it helps them pay their bills in the off season, and you know uh, we get to go back and it helps us as a program because I got five pro coaches. Yeah, it's definitely so, a plus on your side. Yeah, it's it's a win win, you know, and and um, but I think that's important, like in any job or situation, like if if there's no if there's a way to get out, if you want out, and still leave on good terms, and not have somebody badmouth you to somebody else when you're gone, yeah, right. Like, it's just important, and it's it's hard to do sometimes. It's really hard to do, and you gotta probably swallow pride every once in a while, you know. But um, I think for the most part, like it's very doable, um, because in in business, like you never know who's talking to who or who you may need to be in contact with in the future, yeah. right? Or they might need you, you know, wh- however it works. But, um, like, it, it's really bad to just burn a bridge for no reason. Yeah. You know, if if, if there's a way to get what what you need or what you want that makes you happy and still get away and still have a good relationship and still – you know, be on good terms. I mean, because who knows? Like, I might get an offer in another place, and they call the Diamondbacks to to ask, you know, yeah. for reference or whatever, right? Like, if you Pretty, leave on bad yeah. terms and you're an ass when you leave, then you're probably not getting the new job. So, yeah. um, but that being said, like, it's easier with people like them that were, um, 
you know, they're good people, like friendships there. So, yeah. you know, if you're as an employer, uh, you have to be the same way. You know, if like employees leave because you're an ass and they go to other and you're looking for more employees, but you can't get them. Right. Because the word's gotten out that. Well, you can only get new people so many times before your name gets ruined. Right. Right. And same thing goes like with customers, like you can get that one time purchase, but you're not going to get the repeat business. And then. Soon enough, like people are gonna. Everybody's figure, got one. <laughs> people are gonna figure you out. Yeah, and then you're done. You know, and yep. yeah, I agree. You know, I think that in our industry we have reps, and sometimes these reps work for companies that don't have the best business practice, and sometimes you want to rip their heads off because, mm-hmm. but a lot of times they're just being a mouthpiece for whoever they work for, and the thing we've learned is like. Don't don't get too angry with them because they might not be there much longer either. Might go to a different company that's and better. The yeah, and then they're repping a different product, and you might want that product. But mm-hmm. if you're a total jerk to them, guess they're who? Gonna, they're gonna deal with you. Huh? They're not gonna want to give you the product. And so yeah, I I think there's a lot of you know, I I think it's our nature to get really upset and want to just blow it up. Like, yeah. a lot of people want to do that. Like, you know. And I don't blame them. Yeah. You know, you <laughs> There's know, times I felt like the same thing. Yeah, because you get angry and you're like, you want to make a point. But, you know, even Jocko, I've heard Jocko say, you know, on his podcast, never burn a bridge. Because mm-hmm. once you burn it, it's over. Yeah. You want to leave all options on the table. Yep. And, and, and it's... It's always those backseat drivers that are telling you what you should do, right? It really is, and yeah. And how, how, why you should do, and it's like, well, I feel like that's kind of like the easy way out. The hard way is actually to be very courteous and gentle like you did. Yeah. Take some restraint a little bit. It does, because there were probably a couple of things that I could have or would have said, um, that didn't really make a difference in my decision. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I wanted some things, th- them to know a couple things. Yeah. Um, and, and I actually told them, yeah. you know what I mean? But but in a in a way that was a diplomatic way, right? That was, like, not threatening or not, like, hey, like, it's an organization. Maybe here's what I felt yeah. as an employee. Like, yeah, because you can't, you can't um, argue feelings. Right. Like, if you come at accusatory, then, yeah, that can be argued, right? Right, And then you put people on defense, and now they're going to, but if you say, like you said, feelings I have, and it's like, whoa, let's listen to Cody's feelings. Yeah, because there may be other coaches or other staff that have those same feelings. Yeah. Right? And this this is why I feel this way. Take it or leave it. Yeah. But at least you know where I was at. Yeah. And I can leave with, like, a clear conscience and... You know, knowing that I got that off my chest, but also kind of did it in a way that wasn't attacking. Yeah, totally. So it was, um, like I said, it took it took probably a month um, from the first conversation till almost a month till the the day I was, you know, finally. And and I did it that day because my daughter was playing in Cali, and I I wanted to go watch her. Yeah, like I could have waited a few more weeks, but. You know, between her playing 
and giving the organization enough time to find a coach to go replace me wherever they were going to send me and to allow the players uh, to get to know that coach. Um, I thought that was the, the most fair way to do it for everybody involved. Yeah. Well, I didn't want to get there and be there a week and then go, this isn't going to work. Yeah, totally. Right, because then it screws everybody involved. Yeah. Um, you know, and the players establish a relationship and – expect to you know have a certain coach with them and all that stuff and it was it was just the I think I think it everything the way it worked out was as good as it could have worked out for the situation totally but you know like I said it's uh it was a business decision but it was a personal decision you know for my family as well um but you know with business on the back end of it too yeah I um yeah that's a uh it's never easy to do it. No. And because um, obviously there's some of you that wants to be there. And then there's a lot of you that wants to be over here with right. your family. And so there's definitely more of me that wants to be here. Yeah. But yeah, you miss, I mean, you miss putting the uniform on and going on the field and competing with guys and, and being like, I'm not playing the game anymore, but I'm still as competitive as anybody. And I still, you know, feel like there's things I can do to help them out. Yeah, because, you know, as a, as a coach, you're just at a different um, vantage point, right, than a player. Yeah, uh-huh. And you, you've you been through a lot of situations that they're going through for the first time. Yeah. And you can kind of help, you know, either prepare them for that or help them through it. Um, but also tell them how to, like, this is how I dealt with it. It worked or it didn't work. Here's an option for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and there's, you know, you're in, you're in a year sometimes, you know what I mean? Like as a hitting coach, you're a psychologist, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, cause the guy, when he's hitting 400, doesn't need you. No, he doesn't. But when he's hitting hundred, it's the same exact swing. Just a different right? result. It's, it's Yeah. Well, it's mental. It's, yeah. You just got to sit there and. It's crazy how batting is so mental. It is. Like, oh, this, this, and you watch the video, and it's the exact same. You're like, like well, yeah. well, here's what I'm doing. I wasn't doing that. Yeah, yeah, you were. You were doing it. You just weren't hitting the ball. You just didn't think you were doing it. Yeah. But. Yeah. yeah. And then their head, it feels different, whatever, mm-hmm. different. And you're like, no, that's uh, the way it's supposed to feel. Yeah, and then, <clears throat> and then if they start losing a lot, right, like, they get that in their head slumps are for real I mean even the best players had slumps not if you asked them old A-Rod didn't have a slump Pete Rose never went to slump it for, for literally real? his quote he just hadn't got a hit oh <laughs> because I've never been in a slump I just I just hadn't had a you hit know, baseball's it's a mental like I'm telling you that's one of the the best and I heard Jeter say the same thing like <laughs> if I'm 0 for 20 I'm due that's I'm true I'm not in a slump like, because like, history says he's going to hit 300, right? Because he could slam the ball, right, and get it out. Yeah. So, like, if you're hitting the ball hard, mm-hmm. but it's just not dropping, like, I wouldn't change anything. You, yeah, you, but you do. Yeah. Because results are results. Yeah. Um, the process is not as easy to stick with if the results aren't there. That's true. No matter what anybody says, like, I mean, we valued certain things as an organization 
on every team I was on and coach with, right? Like, we value hard contact. We value exit velocity. Uh, we value uh, on-base percentage, right? But if a guy's hitting 100 and has, like, his hard-hit balls are, like, you know, 6 out of 10 or 7 out of 10, um, and, you know, he's getting on base at a, a 250 clip, like, that doesn't play. He's yeah. not going to be in the lineup. Yeah, he's not going to be in the lineup. So even though he's hitting six or seven to ten balls hard, like, eh. you're hitting the wrong spot. If we're two months into the season and he's still got a two fifty on base percentage and one twenty five average or whatever, like, yeah, yeah, well, probably not going to be in there much longer, bud. <laughs> but as an organization, that's what we value, right? Yeah, so yeah. as an organization, we have to be okay with him doing that if that's what we tell them we value. Yeah, if you value so as a player it. to trust that, you have to know that they're going to let me keep playing. They're going to give you some rope. Yeah, but you see your stats up on that board every single time you walk up to the plate. Yeah, that's tough. I'm a 125 man. hitter. That's a rough one. Right? It doesn't say he hits six or seven out of every ten balls hard. It says he's a 125 hitter. So how yeah. do you deal with that? How do you process that as a player? Yeah, you, how do you process losing? Or failing, right? Because at the end of the day, it's still failure. You have to be with baseball. You have to be able to accept failure. Yeah, and it's the single hardest thing to do ever. Like I sucked at it for to today. Yeah, because seven out of ten times you fail, and you—that's a great. I bat. failed more than that because I wasn't a three hundred hitter. Yeah. Tired of going different places to get all you want? Looking for a program that offers everything? Are you interested in training, nutrition? Baseball, softball, after-school youth programs, hunting, or charity work? One Performance is an all-inclusive program that offers training, advising, instruction, and opportunity for everyone, from the beginner to the professional. With a staff compiled of some of the best in their fields, impressive backgrounds, and an unmatched passion for teaching and giving back, One Performance is the first of its kind in Arizona. With the connections and background we have in the baseball community on a local and national level, from T-ball to the major leagues, One Performance offers teams known as Arizona National BPA, opportunity for instruction, gameplay, and development in every aspect of the game, both physically and mentally. The staff at One Performance Training are some of the finest in their respective fields. They strive to educate, motivate, and assist every athlete in maximizing their abilities. Whether you're looking for an opportunity for a young athlete or a seasoned professional to surround themselves with like-minded coaches, mentors, and athletes, One Performance is the family you're looking for. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Ready for an escape? Ready for an adventure? Do you want to camp, hunt, hit the dunes, or just relax on the beach? Ruly White RV is the number one toy hauler dealer in Arizona for the past five years running. With a no-pressure culture and no dealer fees, they guarantee you a great price and a great experience as you purchase your very own toy hauler or travel trailer. Ruly White is family-owned and operated and has now expanded to five locations, including Mesa, West Phoenix, North Phoenix, Flagstaff, and Idaho Falls, Idaho. Whether you're looking for a toy hauler or travel trailer, fifth wheel or bumper pole, Rolly White can get you what you're looking for. They carry all the big names, including Genesis Supreme, Vortex, Attitude, Wolfpack, Raptor, Forest River, and the newly released Wanderer by Genesis. 
We all want to beat the heat or just escape the craziness and get outdoors. Let Rolly White help you get there by visiting any of our locations or checking us out on Facebook, Instagram, and online at rollywhite.com. Yeah, like we tell the kids, like, this is the greatest game for me to teach life, right? Because you're going to fail in life, and you're going to get buried on your face, and you're going to have to get up and do something about it. Yeah. And I can go 0 for 4 with four strikeouts and have to play again. Yeah. It could be the next, later that day, or it could be the next day. I have to turn the page. Yes. Like, I cannot live in the past, because if I did, I'm already 0 for 4 with four punch outs. Or I can turn the page that game in my fifth at bat, be like I haven't I'm O for O. You know, so how do you deal with that? Yeah, I have a I have a new quote on my trailer that says, I am is greater than I was. I saw that. I like that. Because um no one cares about what happened last game or the game before or no one cared about what you were in high school or college or even if you had success early in your career, like, what are you doing right now? Right. Like, yep. to improve yourself, what what are you contributing to the, li- to the family, to life, to your business? And if it's not, you know, if you're not getting better, if you're not contributing to the family business, like, then you're has-been. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Cause like, as, what are you doing today? Yeah, what are you doing today, right now? Mm-hmm. Are you, yeah, and I feel like I saw, I, I guess I put that on there because I see people that kind of like talk about their past, like, it's like, well, I don't really care. Mm-hmm. I don't, because like right now you're actually kind of a loser, but. I I am interested in people that are, you know, maybe they weren't cool in high school, mm-hmm. but they've really kept growing all the way through life, and now they're like, now they're a dude. They're a dude, like, yeah. I, or you know, like a baseball player, like, I I know some a guy that I played baseball with. He was like mediocre, and then, but he kept improving through college. And then he got on a minor league team, <clears throat> and all of a sudden he's in the bigs. Well, he did what all of us didn't do, except for you and some few other people, which is he kept improving, getting better. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to quit. So, um, yeah, he. in that sense, you know, I was the uh, wash-up, and he was – he passed everybody. Yeah, well, you know, maybe in sports, but yeah, there's not okay on the business side, you know. Okay. I but that's the thing you've got to be able to adapt, <laughs> and whatever it is that comes up or that you get into, you have to be relentless in the pursuit of being the best version of yourself. Yeah, and that's the thing is like, what are you willing to sacrifice for? Because for me, like nothing ever came easy. Mm-hmm. Like. Money didn't come easy. Success didn't come easy. Um, there was a lot of blood, sweat, tears, and I'm sure you're in the same boat there, right? Yeah. And but I, I think, think you appreciate it more when it is that. When it comes easy, you don't appreciate it. I don't know. But, like, 
I don't know. I don't well, know I've seen people. I've seen people. Yeah, I, I know what I've heard, but, like, I can't firsthand speak to that. Like, no. I know that if if I work my ass off towards something and it happens, then I, it's, like, way more rewarding. So, I was, uh, I'm going to bring a little uh, Bible talk in this, and I'm sorry if anyone's offended, but this was bringing up something that we talked about on Sunday, which was, so, Joseph and the coat of many colors, the story where his brother sold him off as a slave, and then he was the Pharaoh's <clears throat> assistant, helped him interpret his dreams, and then he helped him save up for the seven years of famine, and then they had people coming to get their grain that they had saved, and they, had, they were selling it. They were making a profit on it. And the teacher was like, well, that's kind of messed up, right? Like, here these people are desperate, and mm-hmm. they're making profit off this. And he's like, and I was thinking to myself, that is kind of messed up. But then he said, if you give something away for free, it has no value. And those people wouldn't have enough grain in the world to satisfy the the want for free stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you charge somebody something, as in they had to earn it, it's amazing how little they need. You know, and then that grain that they had saved now can feed so many more people. Mm-hmm. And you won't have waste. Yeah. And it, it kind of brings up, like, if you're giving something for free, if it's easy, like the value of it goes way down. So I think I've talked to you about this. I, I know I've talked to other people, but I think you and I have talked about it. Like, so we sponsor uh, some kids in our program, yeah, right. And I don't want to say all of them, but there's a lot of times that the loyalty is not there mm-hmm. from certain kids. Pro- uh, parents, parents, more so than kids, right? So the parents, well, the parents are the ones that make the majority of the decisions. Like, yes. if we're being honest, right? Because yeah. they pick which team you're on and which team, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, for the most part, there's some of them are the kids, but um, historically, over the six years that we've done this, there are more kids. I want to say this the right way that leave our program. To go find something better that we're not paying. Isn't that interesting? And I've had this conversation, like, and, and we've talked about it. There is no skin in the game for them. Yes. So it's very easy to complain. Yeah. And it's very easy to want more and more and more, which speaks to the story you just told. Yeah. Right? Like, oh, he's not doing this for me. Really? Mm. He's doing everything else for you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, or, and not myself, but maybe one of the other coaches or one of the other teams or whatever. But we have this scholarship program. Like, it's for, this is what it's for. Yeah. Right? But what how, you, how does it work? It's. Like, how do you, how do you find, now we, I don't want to put everybody in that same basket. Because there are some. That are grateful, yeah. That have made it, <clears throat> that were part of that free thing that, uh, or the scholarship program that actually have gone on to play. Yeah. And they stayed with us the whole time and they come back, whatever. Like, awesome. Yeah, not everyone falls in there. No. But as a group, it's definitely a commonality. Yeah, I think um, even in my own work life, I've 
whenever anyone got a raise that didn't deserve one, that just got it because, or they were given something in the company that they really didn't earn, they just, they, they wanted more, they weren't grateful for it. And to be honest, like, they ended up leaving for because they thought their grass was greener somewhere mm-hmm. else or they did something really stupid to get fired. Yeah. And um, I don't, I th- I I'd struggle with that too because um, I feel like I've, uh, I, I want to be a giving person. Mm-hmm. But also when you give, sometimes people take advantage. And how do you balance that? How can you still be true to yourself without um being taken advantage of yeah and that i think that's a that's a hard thing to figure out it really is it really really is like it's something that we deal with about i would say weekly (laughs) i would say daily but like let's weekly like hey i want to do this right we've got uh this coming in for a scholarship thing, I would like to do this. Yeah. Well, if we do that, we've got X amount of kids that are going to say, you know, really appreciate it and be great, and then the other ones are going to, you know, it's expected. Yeah. You know, and it's it's gotten to a place where I don't love the expected part. I Because... Entitlement? Well, I don't know if it's entitlement. I just think they they get used to somebody doing something for them and I want to I don't want to call it entitlement cuz I don't think they think that they deserve it I think that they just are once it's been kinda done kind of used to it someone did something for them mm-hmm. so now once you did that now they're expecting you to do it again yeah and again and it's just kind of like oh well it's appreciated the first time yes and then you do it again and it's just kind of like oh and you see the appreciation for it go down. Yeah. You know, the first couple of, and and you don't do it for the for the thank yous or the pre- appreciation. Like that's not why you do it. You do it out of the goodness, right? But I guess as a and that this is where I struggle because I want to keep doing it. No. Yeah. But I also want them to appreciate the amount of work that goes in to doing it for them. Yeah, like you this, know what I'm saying. This just didn't happen, right? Like, how do you think we did this? Yeah, and I'm not looking for thank yous, but like, that's the way you know that. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, when the thank yous go away, you're like, okay. Yeah, and and I don't like I said I'm not looking for the thank you part, but when those are gone, it kind of opens your eyes to, okay, what's really going on here? Yeah, now, now you're like, oh. And you start looking and like, okay, this is how these people feel, right? Yeah. Like, so that's that's that tears at me, right? Because we we try to do this for a a lesser cost and a um you know a bare minimum kind of deal where we use really nice facilities and really nice stuff and have great coaches and but we try and do it for like minimal. Yeah, up in Scottsdale, they charge double. What I charge here. You know. And we uh, actually are the second highest median income city in the state. Yeah. You, this right, is so like the Juju Scottsdale of the area, really. Actually, Arcadia is one and we're two. Yeah. Like, Scottsdale is below us now. 
It's um I you know, I find it weird too because um when I've sold trailers to people mm-hmm. or cars even and I used to say this about cars and now it's trailers like where I could give the person the car for cost or trailer or even lose money on it. And those people seem like they're the most ungrateful. Like they complain the most, they want the most fixed. And then they don't refer anyone to you. Right. And then you go make, you don't rip somebody off, but you make your normal money on a Mm -hmm. car, on a whatever trailer. And all of a sudden these people are so grateful because they recognize like I've been other places. This is amazing. I know I got the cheapest deal in town. Like, Mm -hmm. and they refer every one of their friends to you. And you're like, thank you. Like, I even got to make money on this too. That's kind of yeah. cool. Like, because obviously we don't go in business to do things for free. Not make money, right? It's business. Like, yeah, yeah. we, and, and it's okay to make money. Like, and that's why I tell people too when I go see them, like, hey, it, you don't have to tell me you're giving to me costs. Like, you make some money on me, give me a fair deal. Make it so, like, if I go somewhere and I tell them I bought it from you, like, and they find out how much I paid, that they're like, oh my gosh, how much do you pay? Mm-hmm. Like, because they want to come buy from you, not because I got taken advantage of. Right. And um, so it's just interesting how that works. Yeah. I mean, that story you told was kind of, it hit home for sure. Yeah, it definitely hit home for me when I heard it. I was like, oh, there were so many different, like, little things going on in my life that I was like, this is, like, making sense why this is happening to me. I I got to fix some things. You know, I'm taking control. Yeah. Taking ownership of my own life and going to fix it. Perfect. Yeah. So. So on the business side, since we kind of skated to that side, what are, you've been pretty successful in business. So what are some, I guess, some tips or some pointers for the the people out there that are maybe looking to get into their own kind of thing and uh maybe start their own business or their own company or so you have anything yeah well there's i remember when i took a partner on and you hear horror stories of partners you hear um you hear a lot of different things like i only want to own my own business because i don't want to have any deal with any partners and then you talk to some partners people that have had partners and they'll tell you like you know Having a sometimes having a partner is the best thing ever because you know you're splitting the load of a business on to two different people, and you know, one one can go out of town and the other one could run it for the other one while the other one's out of town, or vice versa. And, mm-hmm. Um, and I, I believe like partners aren't a bad thing, um, they can be a bad thing if it's not if you know expectations aren't relayed up front. Like, making your expectations up front, you know, communicating that effectively to each other throughout the whole process. You know, it's not just like, hey, we had this conversation at the very beginning and then we never talk again. Like, it almost has to be like a weekly thing, daily thing. It just depends what kind of business you're in. Meetings, as much as meetings suck, they're a must. You know, I helps you keep 
everyone in line. Mm-hmm. I I just had a conversation with my father in law that his old company worked for. We we routine we on my we re, have a monthly meeting mm-hmm. with all the managers, go over everything new, maybe problems coming up, listen to the managers' feedbacks, get ideas from everybody. And the real thing is to make sure we're all on the same page. Make sure everyone's doing the same thing. And I asked him how many times he had a meeting in his 30-year career. He said, never. I'm like, what? Like, you never had, like, a management meeting with all the other managers? And he said, no. I'm like, huh, that's – you're – you, you, the owners is, are very lucky, like, that you actually didn't just rob the whole place. Because mm-hmm. when you're so disconnected like that, you're basically relying on the honesty and loyalty of that employee to run things properly. And if you're relying on, like, a human being <laughs> to be honest and loyal, um, you're going to be, you're going to get robbed. And if you don't have systems in place to, you know, check the balances, right? Mm-hmm. Um, second thing would be to um, make sure your partnership agreement, operating agreement is all up to snuff. Make sure you have an LLC if that, you know, depending on what you kind of business you're running, what kind of partners you have, if you have other businesses, could depend if you do like an LLC or S Corp or C Corp. And I would refer you to your accountant. And if you don't have one, you probably should get one if you're, because he's going to advise you properly. Like, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> like one of our businesses is an S Corp and it helps with taxes you still pay taxes, unfortunately. I'm sorry to say there's no real way to avoid Uncle Sam. But when you're falling back on the operating agreement, um, if you decide to get a partner, I would say to spell out how, spell out in very clear terms how the thing is going to end when mm-hmm. it ends. Because the odds are it's going to end. The odds of everybody going till death is very slim. And even then, what happens when someone dies? Mm-hmm. So you have to think about, not about when things are good, how you're going to divide up the money, because that's easy. Mm-hmm. How are we going to divide things up when things go sideways? Which is... Like a buyout or like a... What happens when one of you get a divorce? Mm-hmm. Like... Because that can get messy. What happens when um, one guy commits fraud? Um, what happens if someone steals from the company? What ha- it, you just you spell all those things out. So if something were to happen, you just fall back onto the agreement. And then you just follow the agreement. And if the agreement isn't spelled out clearly, then what happens is lawsuits are usually next. Right. And we've all heard about that. So when the agreements are spelled out really clear, 
what happens is you had a friendship with that person, that friendship probably will endure the partnership. Because you could be best friends with somebody and you still want to be friends, but if it's not spelt out, you probably won't be friends. But if it's spelt out and all you have to do is rely on the agreement, you probably just saved your friendship. Right. Because now you can just say, well, this is what we do in this situation. Let's just read what we signed 10 years ago Mm -hmm. and uh, make sure you know where that agreement is. (laughs) So uh, you can find it. Yeah. Yeah. So that would, that, I think, uh, that's something that people don't really think of when you get in business with somebody is how are we going to get out of business together? Right. But it's something that has to be thought through. Yeah. No, I, I agree completely. We had a, uh, on the, on the high school, uh, the older kids side of our, uh, program, uh, I brought a guy on that had, uh, he was with another entity, right? Yeah. And got fired from there and, and, um, we brought him on like in the middle of the season. Uh, and I kind of just did it to help him out, like to, as a know, favor, as a favor to kind of give him somewhere to go. And, uh, the teams, uh, a place to, to train and, you know, kind of all that stuff. And then, um, you know, some stuff happened, um, I guess in like February, uh, January, February this year, where he was, uh, wanting a, a chunk of money based on what was in the account. <laughs> and I was like, well, okay, explain. Like, I'm, I'm hearing you out. Explain. Uh, well, this is how I did it when I was over here. And, you know, my answer to him was, well, you can't just, like, clear out an account. Like, that's illegal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> the, yeah. I mean, like, I... <laughs> it's called fraud. How do, how do I just... Well, yeah, but... So, and I want to say, like, he definitely deserves to get paid for his work. Sure. Right? Um, like, every two weeks we send out paychecks. And I was getting hours in, right? Mm-hmm. Paying those hours out. Um, it wasn't on salary. It was an hourly rate. Yeah. And that's how we pay all of our, pretty much all of our coaches is hour, hourly rate based on practices, games, whatever. Um, so it was, um, it was eye opening to me because I'd never heard of that before. Right. And it's a business account. So we don't just wipe it clean at the end of the year. Like that's how you start the next year for us. Cause we pay tournaments ahead of time and yeah. we're always, we're always like six months ahead. Right. Well, for our stuff. Well, that's a good business practice. Well, Cause if it, like I have to have six months worth of tournament pay in there so I can pay them ahead of time and then it gets repaid throughout the season. And, yeah, right? you're, so, yeah. So that was my answer to him. And, and he's like, well, you know, I need to be paid for my services. And I said, I do not disagree with you at all. Like, I don't. I, I agree you should be paid for that. Um, how are we going to make this work? And so, like, going in, I would definitely do it differently. I, it wasn't a true partnership. Like, Yeah, you guys didn't – he wasn't part of your – thing but he came in with some expectation of like a some kind of um commission base right 
not really sure what he came up with. He came in expecting to do what he was doing with his other position. Which he just expected that you would do the same? Yeah. Without Bas- basically. Really, and without really discussing with this with you before he started a gig. Yeah. Um, and the he wanted a 70-30 split on his, in his favor. Wow. Of everything. And, and that's what he did at the old place. And I'm like, well, okay. So let me... Let me ask you some questions, right? Like, not arguing with you, just answer these questions. Um, who paid for everything? Whose LLC was it under? Um, who had the insurance? Who, had, right? Yeah, it was all us. Yeah, so like, like I, th- he, what he probably failed to mention to you was, it was a seventy thirty split after all expenses paid. On his end, maybe. I, like, but how do you? How can you verify that? Right. You can't. And that's what I'm saying. Like, moving forward, if he decides he wants to still be here, there needs to be a definite agreement in place. For sure. And I haven't heard back from him that if he wants to continue or not. So, if he doesn't, he doesn't. Um, No hard feelings on my end. If he expects more. He's got to discuss it up front. Yeah, but good luck. I mean, nobody nobody in the right mind would do that. I, I don't feel like. He's welcome to start his own program. He had one. He did. Didn't work. So, so, and I, I don't mean that. Like he's a good, great guy. Yeah, I, just, I like the dude a lot, um, and I think he's really good at parts of it. Really good administrative stuff. Really good at like uh, scheduling, like that kind of deal. Um, but yeah, I, I. So that was along those lines. Like that wasn't in place. Yeah, and like I said, it wasn't like we went into it as a partnership. So. It wasn't I, a true partnership. No, I don't, I don't. I thought it was like you, you thought it was an employee, employer employee kind yeah. of thing, like everybody else was. Um, now, did he do more work than some of the other employees? Yes, definitely. As far as scheduling and as far as um, communication stuff like that with with people, I, I think that he did a, a really good job. Um, do I think he should be paid accordingly? I do. Yeah. Where is that fair? Yeah. Right? Like, what number is it? What it's kind of compensation? Definitely, it's definitely not a 70-30 split in his favor well, for that. Right? I. It's more like... It's more like an hourly rate. It sounds like it. In my opinion. And that's how we... And, and the way I explained it is that's how we pay everybody. Including myself. For sure. Yeah. Like, I'm on a salary. It's a low salary and that I get paid an hourly rate. Yeah. So if I'm at practice for two hours, I make two hours that night. Yeah. So does every other coach that's there for two hours. And it's the same dollar amount. Yeah. Whether it's a guy that coached in high school or me, we make the same amount for practice. Yeah, that's pretty fair. It's (laughs) to them. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty fair. (laughs) But you're being very fair. I I feel like. Yeah. So anyway, that was uh, along those lines. Like that's definitely some great advice is to to make sure before entering into any kind of agreement that you have in writing what's going to happen throughout, yeah, and what's going to happen when it goes wrong. Yeah, like all expectations should be let known right up front, and that goes for everybody. That's if you're an employee, right? An employer to employee, like. I guess in your defense, like, you thought 
oh yeah, I'm just hiring him. Here's your hourly, you know. And at that point, he could have made it clear, like, oh, by the way, I'm expecting a 70-30 split. And then at that time, he could be like, well, I'm not. Right. <laughs> and that's and that's where I failed as as an employer and as as my company. Like, that's where I failed. Like, I should have done that um, prior to. So there was no confusion on his end because I don't want him feeling like he's getting screwed. Yeah. You know, even though, like, I'll pay him an hourly rate if he back charges me. Yeah. Right? Just tell me what you, you know, did and, and we'll take care of it. Yeah. Um, I'm going to look at it. I'm going to review what you, Make you sure give me. But but still, I think that, like, like, I definitely want him to feel like he was valued and feel like it was fair. Yeah. You know? Um so that that's really important to me, and we're working through that now. But, um, you know, I don't want him leaving thinking, oh, I got screwed by them or telling people, like, he screwed me over or anything like that because that's not at all what it's about. Like, it's about being fair to both sides yeah. and him making what he's worth. Yeah, it sounds like he does have some valuable. He does. I think he does a really good job on some of the stuff he does. Yeah. Yeah. And – you know, like, it, it is interesting to some, like, businesses that don't work out. And it's not necessarily, like, was the business successful? It actually was. Mm-hmm. Because they could, they did this really good. But they, and I think that's what makes entrepreneurs a little bit different than, um, say, everyone else. Is that they don't, aren't actually great at, like, a lot of things they're probably great at like one thing but they're able to do the rest see where like you have people that are really good at these two things but then they fall on their face on the rest mm-hmm. like for example you could have a business that is doing an amazing job selling and um caught but they're horrible at finance and the guy spends his money the business account, like a personal checking account, and there's no budget involved, and you see some great businesses that just belly flop, mm-hmm. and everybody's like, "How did that happen?" Right. And it's hard to, you know, it's hard to judge a business from the outside because you really don't know the inner workings of it. Were they over leveraged? You know, too much debt? Were they? Did they just have a, um, you know, expensive taste or? Right. And or vice versa, they're really good at the finance and they're horrible at the other part. Mm-hmm. Like I have some really close friends that one of the best carpenters I've ever met, and he crashed crashed in a in the business world because he he went for it on his own and just nosedived. Yeah, wasn't the work right? You know, the work was great. It was. Uh, it was all the other stuff. Yeah. And luckily, he works for me now, so. <laughs> Good for you. And he's one of the best employees I got. And it works out great because he's very successful in what he does, and he doesn't have to worry about the rest. Yeah. Well, that's that's the hardest part of entrepreneurship, too, is, like, like on our stuff, we suck at advertising. Yeah. Like, I'm really bad at it because I do not take time on social media to yeah. do that. Yeah. And... Like, I've talked about hiring somebody to do it and promoting it a little bit more. And, like, everything we do is just kind of by word of mouth. 
and um, which is great, but I think we're leaving a whole lot on the table. The question too is like, do you want more business? Oh yeah, I do. So then it would totally be beneficial to there's a there's actually and this is for everyone out there because we suck personally really white like we have a lot of good content mm-hmm. but that's not because we're good at what we do it's because um we understand social media is important and a long time ago we we knew instagram and all that was going to be like the new wave mm-hmm. so we hired a company to help us out and then now we have a social media girl that does we pay her monthly to do our social media account and yeah, it's I, good some of the co- the content you guys get on there is awesome and I'm going to be very honest, like, I haven't been on Instagram for, like, three months. Now, I realize i got to get back on because mm-hmm. for the social, for our playing the game followers, I will get back on, and I'm going to start posting. But, you know, like, I took I'll a mental on, health. I'll get on that one, too. I took a mental health break, really. Like, yeah. I'm not kidding you. Like, it's a drain on my mental health being on in- Instagram. Yeah. I wish uh, I just wish the business world wasn't on it because I think I could, I'd be okay with that. But it's not always what we want. I actually prefer the business world side of social media. Oh, really? I do because I think a lot of the other I don't know. Like I think there's a lot of wasted stuff that the, I look at. Oh yeah, like that's on my feed, right? The fake gram. Well, yeah, and it's like, I mean, I love to listen to motivational stuff on there, yeah. and I love some of the business stuff on there, right? There is some great motivational stuff. I will give you that. And, um, like, Rog- Rogan's today. Like, he's got a, a thing on here. It says, it's exactly what you talked about a minute. You're not your past. You are who you are right now. Yeah. And it's like. He looks pretty serious right there. Well, yeah. What, is that like a, some liquor in front of him? Uh. It's a coffee. Oh. And the microphone. A coffee. Okay. Yeah. He looks a little tired, but he'd be, in all fairness, he probably is at the end of like a four-hour podcast. Yeah, right. Or it's midnight. It could be midnight. He's got a coffee. Maybe it's first thing in the morning he's got a coffee. He could have just woken up. Yeah, I'm going with that one. He could just woke up, got a coffee, probably Black Rifle. Because they, they advertise pretty heavily. Hey, guess yeah. what? I got news here. I can't wait to hear Some it. friends, our friends, Black Rifle Coffee, they went public. Public means that you are traded publicly on the stock market. So um, the stock's actually doing really great right now. And um, my friend. I, I, I didn't buy any. I you know, like, it's always good on a new IPO, which is initial public offering, mm-hmm. to hold out. Let the first quarterly financials come out. Because when an IPO comes out, they um, it's really a guessing game with what the value mm-hmm. is until the first quarterly financials come out. And then that really bases – that's when the heavy hitters come in and say, okay, this is what the value is. Yep. You've got the short sellers or the – Stock options kicking in. So, um, and then, um, then you know, like, okay, then it becomes a little bit not of a guessing game. Because at first it really fluctuates up and down. and Right. That's not fun. No, and if you aren't in the stock market, like, 
if you're not used to it, then it could be pretty scary. You know, you felt like you lost a lot of money. But I will tell you this. If you were to put some money in that company, and I'm not a financial advisor, so do not <laughs> go to my buddy Blaine. There you go. Anderson at Bander USA. But <laughs> the things that I've learned is you find good companies, you put money in, and then you just hold tight. You know, yep. you if you if you look at a stock as a five-year you know, um, plan and not like a three-month plan, mm-hmm. then you're going to be fine. Right. You know, you put some money. If you were to put money in right now with Black Rifle, I have no doubt in five years that stock will be tripled because they're going to build hundreds of stores across the U.S. The valuation is going to go through the roof. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I have no doubt. Well, that's what, you know, we, we kind of did the same with real estate. Yeah, uh, with our, and we didn't plan on it being a only oh only eight years, but yeah, after eight years, you know, pretty good spot. So yeah, um, like if if every investment I can make does that, then I'm gonna be just fine. You know, and I remember my dad telling me my first house I bought, it was a really rocky market. Mm-hmm. I bought right before there was like a little dip, and then the big dip. Mm-hmm. I bought on the little dip, and. I remember being scared. My dad said, why are you buying a house? I was like, because I need a place to live, you know? Like, mm-hmm. you're, that's what you're supposed to do, right? Buy ha- you buy a home. Right. You try not to rent, buy a home, be a homeowner. He's like, if you're buying it to live in and you can make the payment, then what's the problem? If you're buying it for an investment, then don't buy it. Right. But if you're buying it to live in it, and that's what we did. And, yeah, we if we were buying it, we would have lost a lot of money. But now we're fine. Right. You know, 12 years later, we, we're making a lot of money now. Mm-hmm. But it took a while. Yeah. It took a while. So, you know, I, I was looking at, um, a, I was in an establishment and they had the magazine, uh, newspaper up from 2004, front cover, San Francisco Times, is when uh, Paul Ham won. The golden, I don't know what Olympics, the Greece Olympics over there, mm-hmm. Athens. And on the side of it, it had um, the stock prices of Google, Amazon, Apple. I think Google was at like $30 a share. Mm-hmm. Amazon was like $60 a share. And just so everybody knows, Google's like $2,200 a share and Amazon's like 3000 right now. It's close. Yeah, so... Oops, you know, yeah. I was I was pretty young back then. You were in, you started just starting your baseball career then. What oh four? Yeah, you've I been was in, six years in. Yeah, six years in. Yeah, I was in San Francisco. You were actually. in San Francisco yeah. at the time. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, well, but we got a lot of cool just upcoming. I know Cody's got some people that he wants to. Yeah, bring we on got the some good people lined up. Um, one of them's calling right now. Oh, but um. Yeah, there's some. We got some good people lined up. I think we got some good information coming up. I hope um, some fun content, some stuff we're gonna we're gonna kind of do. Hopefully, we can take this on the road with us this year and yeah, and kind of do what we talked about doing last year at Attack and yeah, some different things and then uh, you know get some hunts on. But um, you know some of the the content that that we just talked about, like uh, you know. Dudley does a great job on his yes. social media stuff, and Sorenex they do an awesome job on theirs, and um, like those are people that I like to see 
that are they're good people that give back, mm-hmm. but also their business is successful. And I think those kind of go hand in hand. So um, check yeah. those guys out if you if you haven't. Yeah, check out Sornex has some cool stuff on on their um, stuff they sell on the workout yeah. side. They got some cool little things if you can't afford a whole gym like most people can. They do have some um, racks that are pretty cool that you know can fit in a tight spot and um always dudley's go-to guy for our archery oh you guys swamped right now making bows it looks like yeah i i told i want him to make me a bow but i feel like i'm probably not like on the a list well i'm gonna probably just go ahead and buy mine probably that's if i i guess if i want a bow i probably need to do that i'm probably just gonna call down there and buy one because i uh can't hit him up for that. Yeah, it's tough. He's huh? got he's got too much going on. He's got a lot going on. Yeah, he probably got a lot of A listers on that list. That I mean, I think you're pretty close to that A list. Well, I know I'm not, but maybe we'll work our way up this year. Let's see. All right, buddy. Everyone, thank you. Thanks, Cody. It's good talking to y'all. Yeah, good. We'll uh, see you next week. See you.